Full Scope, Human Longevity and Performance Podcast. We want you to become the most exceptional, high-performing version of yourself. And to facilitate this, we are giving away the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook absolutely free. This is a tremendous resource that will tell you the lifestyle behaviors and mindset that will lead to the best outcomes and longevity. To get this, go to our website, wondermedicine.com or fullscope.org, put in your email, and we will send you this amazing resource, the Longevity Fundamentals Handbook. Every animal that we know of sleeps. Humans that live a full lifespan will sleep 25 years. And without sleep, a human will die. Sleep is a vital physiologic function that is essential to health and wellness. Without sleep, we develop impairments in our ability to think, our ability to heal, our ability to fight infection. We eventually develop chronic diseases and we live a suboptimal life. Around the world, developed nations are attacking sleep. Countries like the United States, Japan, South Korea, and other areas are bragging about how little sleep they can get by with. The sayings, I'll sleep when I die, the idea that people can get by on four to five hours of sleep a night are pervasive in business and our cultures. And just look around at us. Our health is not crushing it. Today on Full Scope, I want to talk about sleep. I want to talk about why humans sleep. What are the consequences to not sleeping? The physiologic breakdown of what sleep actually is and what drives it. I want to give some tips for how people can sleep better. And I want to talk about some interesting facts regarding other animals and other things related to sleep. So saddle up. This is Full Scope. Adults need eight hours of sleep a night. And most people will say between seven and nine hours for optimal health. Now, younger humans need even more sleep. In fact, newborn babies need the most, somewhere between 16 and 18 hours. They're spending the majority of the day sleeping, and anyone who's ever had one of these little ones knows that. As the babies get older, they tend to sleep less, usually somewhere between 12 and 15 total hours a day. And keep in mind, these numbers do include naps and sleep times outside of the normal nighttime windows. Kids will sleep a little bit less than babies, usually somewhere between 10 and 14 hours. And as they get older, they tend to sleep a little bit less and less. By the time they're teenagers, like 13, 14, 15, 16, they, they really get into a range of needing about 9 to 10 hours of sleep a night, though many of them will, will sleep more, 11 or 12 hours at times. And then usually, by the time we get to be adults, 
eight hours is a good number to keep in mind. And the need for sleep really doesn't change. Uh, older people don't need less sleep. Now, they do struggle to get the eight hours, maybe more so than younger people for a variety of reasons. But in an ideal world, they would still get that eight hours of sleep. What's interesting is that in the last 100 years or so, the amount of sleep that the average United States adult has has gotten has decreased dramatically. It's estimated that at the turn of the 18th century into the 19th century, so say year 1901, the average person got about nine hours of sleep a night. Now fast forward to the 2000s, and the average American is now getting less than seven hours of sleep a night. I see a lot of different sources saying somewhere around the 6.8 hours range. This is really, really bad. And let's talk about why. Pew! All right, I want you to think for a second about the last time you got a really bad night's sleep. How did you feel the next day? How did you perform the next day? What happened? Well, thankfully, I get to go through this experiment all the time. Because as a hospitalist that covers 24-7 in hospitals, it's really common for me to get woken up all throughout the night. Get really fragmented bad sleep. Sometimes I actually have to get out of bed and see patients. Sometimes it's for really anxiety-provoking high-stakes situations like, like codes or code blues when someone has a cardiac arrest and I need to go respond to them. And so I have some absolutely horrible nights of sleep. And what I can tell you is the next morning you do not feel good. Generally, you're much more depressed. You don't want to get up, and you hate your life. On top of depression, it's pretty common to experience a whole whole, whole plethora of other mental health disorders or problems. Things like anxiety, emotional lability, having outbursts of anger, outbursts of sadness, Experiencing immature emotions like increased jealousy or feeling very sorry for yourself uh, for a number, a number of reasons, sometimes deservedly. <laughs> On top of the problems with mental health and emotions and being just much more short and abrasive toward people, your brain also doesn't function or work optimally. Typically, these are mornings where I go to the computer and I find myself reading a medical chart or a sentence within a medical chart three or four times in a a row sometimes and just not retaining the information. So you're being exposed to information and stimuli that you would normally take in easily and start to process. And without sleep, you're unable to even take that in and begin the processing sequence altogether. On top of that, it's hard to come up with new ideas, create new things, or use logic. So it becomes both hard to take in new information and also to create content. On top of the intake and creation difficulties, logic becomes greatly distorted in our ability to reason through things, solve problems, generate answers to equations becomes impaired drastically. 
These are the obvious things. These are the things that we can see and know. And it's certainly very easy to recognize these things, say, when we get just a dismal night of sleep, maybe three, four hours of sleep. But what's crazy is that when you get less than seven hours, you experience these things, but on a much lesser scale. And people that chronically get less than seven hours of sleep may may think about the way they process and intake and output information as normal, but yet it may be much worse than they could achieve if they got a full night's sleep. The scary thing about this suboptimal performance from a chronic lack of sleep is that the performance we're doing becomes the new normal and we become unaware that we could even do better. Just think about someone who consumes alcohol every day. You wouldn't know what it's like to be sober anymore and you wouldn't know what it's like to function as a fully sober, cognizant person. This could be what's going on in our businesses, in our schools, in our families, in our hospitals, in our government, in every layer of society. We could all be functioning suboptimally just from not getting that full night of sleep. A mental health disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, has very similar symptom overlap to not getting a good night's sleep. And according to the DSM-5, inattention is often manifested in the following ways. Often fails to give close attention to details and makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, work, or other activities. Often has trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace. Loses focus, gets sidetracked. Often trouble organizing tasks and activities, etc. Between 5 and 10% of children are estimated to suffer from ADHD and about 5% of adults. And what's crazy is that a lot of bodies are saying that it is possible and even likely that as much as 50% of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder diagnoses are misdiagnoses. And really what's going on is that the individual is just not getting enough sleep. The treatment of choice for ADHD is stimulants. This is often amphetamine salts or other medications that stimulate the central nervous system. And these medicines can often be very addictive. They can be dangerous. They can lead to problems down the road, likely with the cardiovascular system and other issues. And so the treatment that we have for ADHD is not safe. And so misdiagnosing someone that's just not getting enough sleep with this disorder can be very costly, especially if it's a child. So in the short term, a bad night of sleep leaves our minds absolutely wrecked. But in the long term, it can have even more devastating consequences. And the most feared of those consequences is dementia. Dementia is a group of different diseases that are characterized by progressive impairments in memory, thinking, behavior, that tend to have negative impacts and prevent people from functioning and carrying out a normal life. Some of those common forms of dementia are are Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. And one of the characteristic pathological findings in, in 
especially Alzheimer's, but other dementias, are neurofibrillary tangles. And these tangles are essentially just sort of gunks of, of bad protein that build up in the brain and seem to be at least associated with dementia, if, if not in some way causative. Now, the reason why sleep is so important for the prevention and even treatment of active dementia is that sleeping helps us get rid of the garbage in our brains. Many people have probably heard of the lymphatic system. And what the lymphatic system is is essentially a giant drainage system for our bodies. When our blood gets pumped throughout our blood vessels, sometimes liquid gets squeezed out and gets into the interstitial space. And the way that we get that fluid back into the bloodstream is via the lymphatic system. But the lymphatic system also does other things. It helps carry junk and waste out of the tissues, gets into the blood so it can be removed from the body. It also helps our immune cells and other important cells travel and move throughout the body. And, and also it can be important in signaling and other processes. For a long time, it was thought that only the, the body had this lymphatic system. But newer research in the last several years has elucidated some remarkably interesting findings regarding the lymphatic system in the brain. And people are actually referring to the brain's lymphatic system as the glymphatic system. The glymphatic <laughs> But our brains have lots of different cells in them. The main cell most people are aware of is the neuron. And this is the actual cell that, that has an action potential and conveys electrical information around the brain in the ways that we think about when we think about neurobiology. But we also have other cells in the brain that assist assist these neurons and, and help with function. And one of the main groups of these cells is called glial cells. Glial cells are really important support units for the neurons. They build things for the neurons. They help transfer nutrients to the neurons. They help build the meninges and the walls around the ventricles and do other really important functions. But what's absolutely fascinating is that when we go to sleep, these glial cells will shrink to around 40% of their normal size. This extra space in the brain from having a large group of cells shrunk down allows a conduit for junk and fluids to move out of our brains. It's just remarkable and crazy to think about that, that a large portion of the cells in our brain are actually shrinking markedly during our sleep so we can help remove junk and other problems. How exactly this is related to the pathogenesis of dementia is not fully clear. But what we do know is that getting good sleep throughout one's life is very protective from dementia. And one of the hallmarks of dementia is progressively impaired sleep and, and thinking, uh, likely at least partially as a result of that impaired sleep. I think the idea of a bunch of junk getting cleared out from our brains when we sleep becomes easily illustrated when you think about how foggy your thinking is when you wake up from a horrible night's sleep. It's literally as if there's a bunch of gunk in there that's preventing things from working and firing normally. In contrast, when you get a great night's sleep and your brain has ample time to clear out the garbage, you wake up and things are just so clear and crisp. 
and it is just the good stuff. Pew! So that is the consequences on the brain and sleep. This is just scratching the surface, but I think it becomes easy to see that if we want society to keep spiraling down the craziness path that we're going, we should keep devaluing sleep in the way that we've been doing. But right now I want to move on to the body. What does sleep do to our body and what are the costs of not getting enough sleep? The first thing I want to look at is metabolism. In order for people to have a healthy and properly functioning metabolism, they have to get adequate sleep. In fact, if you take healthy young people, you give them less than five hours of sleep a night, their ability to manage glucose gets impaired markedly to the degree that they essentially have prediabetes at that point. So even someone healthy in their 20s that just is not given enough sleep for days in a row will develop what we call metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndrome is essentially a cluster of conditions that usually occur together. And these things are high blood pressure, high blood sugar, excessive body fat, particularly around the waist, and abnormal, usually elevated levels of bad cholesterol, things like LDL and triglycerides. And I shouldn't say bad or good cholesterol. We need cholesterol. It's essential for our bodies. But too high of levels of certain cholesterols can be very detrimental, or at least are correlated with very detrimental things in our bodies. So not getting enough sleep impairs our body's ability to utilize glucose properly, In fact, it makes our cells less able to utilize glucose. It leads to increases in the amount of insulin in our bodies. That insulin then triggers us to put on weight. It tells us that we're hungry and that we need more food. And these systems and feedback loops start to spiral such that eventually we develop high blood pressure, we develop high cholesterol, we continue to put on weight, and things get worse and worse. And so not sleeping is a risk factor and can lead to metabolic syndrome. Many people listening to this have probably noticed that when they get a bad night's sleep, a poor night's sleep, they're hungrier the next day. When I'm in the hospital and I get woken up a bunch overnight and I walk into the cafeteria in the morning... What's up, Full Scope listeners? If you are enjoying this content, if this content is bringing you value, please share it with your friends, loved ones, and everyone else. Post it online, on social media. Let your friends know. Have them subscribe. Put the word out there. That's all we really ask. And at the very least, give us a review and rate the podcast. Thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. I look at the fridge and I see a piece of cake and all of a sudden that cake looks good to me. It looks appealing to me. Now on a normal full night's sleep, I wouldn't even look at that cake. That cake would not even look like food to me. But when I am underslept, all of a sudden I start to crave large amounts of much less healthy comfort and junk food. And so chronically not sleeping not only leads to impairment 
in our metabolism, in our management of glucose, but it also stimulates us to want to eat more and oftentimes junkier, worse food. There's a lot of hormones at play here. We already talked about insulin, which is a very powerful hormone that makes us hungry and tells our bodies to put on fat. But there's a few other hormones at play as well. Leptin is a very powerful hormone made in our fat cells that tells our bodies, stop eating, you're full. Sleep impairs the ability of leptin to work properly and possibly even be produced. Another hormone, ghrelin. Ghrelin is a hormone that is made in our stomachs and it tells us, I'm hungry. You can kind of think of your stomach gurgling like, ghrelin, ghrelin, I'm hungry. When you don't get enough sleep, the body seems to be more reactive and overproduce ghrelin and underproduce leptin. And this at least partially explains some of the reasons why we become much more hungry when we don't get adequate sleep. In my outpatient practice, I get the privilege of taking care of a lot of younger people, lots of young adults. And I measure a lot of the things on these folks because a lot of them are interested and a lot of them just have risk factors mandating it. I look at things like lipid panels, like the patient's waist circumference, their weight. I always check their blood pressure and I often check something called the fasting insulin. Essentially what happens when we have impaired glucose management, either from just eating way too much uh, carbohydrates or crummy, crummy junk carbohydrate foods, not getting asleep, enough sleep, or whatever reason, is that the blood sugar will start to rise. But before that blood sugar can actually rise up above the normal rate, insulin kicks in. Insulin spikes up and that prevents the blood sugar from, from going up higher than would be expected. And so it takes a long time and a lot of abuse to make it so that that blood sugar stops responding enough to the, to the raised levels of insulin such that ble that blood sugar starts to raise up. Over time, as that blood sugar continues to creep up, eventually we start to notice a laboratory value called the A1C, hemoglobin A1C, start to increase. Essentially, hemoglobin A1C is a lab value that looks at the amount of sugars attached to the red blood cell. And basically, because red blood cells live for about three or four months, it can tell us the average amount of blood, sh of blood sugar in the blood over that three to four month time period. But that is a late marker of metabolic disorder and high insulin and high blood sugar. When someone finally starts to have increases in their A1C, they are very far along the pathway. But if you measure that fasting insulin, which should be very low, usually less than 4, you start to get a window into early metabolic disease. You can do this on a 20-year-old whose A1C might be 5 or in the 4s, but you might measure a fasting insulin on them and it might be 16 or 24 or 30. And so you're picking up that dysregulation of blood sugar and insulin long before an elevation in A1C develops. And what I'm finding is alarming. I'm seeing a lot of elevated fasting insulins, waistlines that are, that are bigger than I would like higher blood pressures than I would like, sometimes markedly high, like 150s over, over 100, but sometimes, and in fact, very commonly, just higher than I would want, 134 over 88. 
things like that. And then finally, their cholesterols are high. And so I'm seeing these problems in my young adults at increasing rates. And I think we are on board for a really bad ride right now. We have got to get our food right, and we've got to start living right again. And unfortunately, just eating the right food is not enough. And in fact, it's hard to even eat the right food unless we get the right sleep. This really is a cycle of health and wellness. Sleep, proper food, exercise, proper connections with other people. These things are all so important, and sleep is perhaps the anchor of all these things. If you've got good mental health, you're going to connect with other people. If you sleep, you're not going to be so hungry, and you're going to eat less. You're going to help your body properly regulate blood sugar. All of these things seem to hinge on sleep. It's crazy. So, essentially, if you don't sleep, your metabolism gets messed up. It leads to something called metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome drives so many, in fact, in some way, probably all of the chronic diseases that we're battling so fervently right now. Things like obesity, things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cancer, you name it, Impaired metabolism is a risk factor for all these things. Lack of sleep causes impaired metabolism, and by proxy, not getting enough sleep for years and years can lead to bad, bad problems just through metabolism. Now, it may also affect some of those conditions much more directly via other pathways, other mechanisms. But just looking at metabolic syndrome is enough to realize not getting enough sleep is a huge problem. Another metabolic thing stimulated greatly by sleep is autophagy. We talked about autophagy extensively in one of the past episodes, but essentially this is when our bodies are forced to reach into our own cells, recycle nutrients, and as part of that, get rid of a lot of cellular waste that we otherwise would not access. Because sleep is so essential to the proper function of autophagy, and because autophagy is needed to get a bunch of the junk out of our bodies and recycle our own nutrients, you can see why this is another reason why sleep is, is just so important. Bum, 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 On top of autophagy, there is growth and development. When we sleep, that's when our bodies grow and heal. For children, this is essential. Sleep is often when things like growing pains or the pain associated with our body physically expanding and growing happen the worst. And kids that, that don't get enough sleep chronically can actually have stunting of their growth. On top of this, this is when our wounds heal. Our injuries heal. Our bodies have time to recover. The muscles that we broke down and caused little micro injuries to exercising during the day have a time to, to repair and hopefully grow stronger and better at night. And so sleep is essential to growth and development. In fact, it is during sleep that growth hormone is, is released in a pulse-like fashion. And growth hormone is, is a very important hormone to signal our bodies to grow, to develop, to put on muscle, to heal, and do a bunch of other things. That typically happens in, in pulses, usually during deep sleep toward the first part of the night. 
And growth hormone is not alone. A lot of other hormones are are reliant on sleep. And on top of hormones, oftentimes neurotransmitters and the formation of neurotransmitters and hormones depend on proper sleep to both get formed and to operate and function properly. And so when we don't sleep, we can dysregulate our hormones, dysregulate our metabolism, cause all types of different issues. The final thing I want to talk about in this part one of sleep is the immune system. Our immune system requires sleep to develop and function properly, and in particularly deep sleep. And we're going to talk about the stages of sleep in the next part, but when we sleep, that is when our immune systems really gear up. They make the necessary things that are needed to fight infection. We develop the cells needed in, in our bone marrow to fight infection, the white blood cells, and lymphocytes, and neutrophils, etc. And so without sleep, we can't heal. This probably isn't a big surprise. Usually when you're sick, your body usually wants to sleep. You just want to rest. You lay in bed all day. Sometimes, when we don't get enough sleep, you go on that big trip and you push it really hard. As mom said, you burn the midnight oil and you come back and then all of a sudden you develop a sickness. Sleep is essential to the proper function of the immune system. Without sleep, we are more vulnerable to infections, more vulnerable to death as a result of those infections. All right, so let's call this part one of sleep. This is probably going to be a three-part series. In this part one, we went over the problems with not getting enough sleep and, of course, kind of learned about some of the benefits of getting sleep. This podcast just scratched the surface of the problems that people can develop as a result of not getting enough sleep. And honestly, our human knowledge is just scratching the surface. I think it's probably more useful to ask what systems do not benefit from sleep than to ask what bodily systems do benefit from sleep because it appears to be essentially anything we study regarding the body in some way requires or benefits from ample sleep. We talked about the effects of sleep on the brain, how we need it to have healthy mentation, how we need sleep to avoid the development of mental health diseases and dementia. Without good sleep, we become short, hard to deal with, bad coworkers, bad, bad family members, and bad people in society. And we have an epidemic of bad people in society right now. So please get your sleep. We then went on and talked about metabolism, how the Sleep is so essential for the management of blood glucose. And if blood glucose is not managed properly, we develop metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, big waistline, impaired blood glucose management, is the, the leading cause of things like diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cancer, all these other chronic diseases that are just burying our society right now. So sleep is essential for metabolism and proper metabolic function. On top of that, without sleep, we get hungrier. Sleep is essential to our growth, our healing. We have to get sleep for our immune system to work. If we want to fight infection, we have to get sleep. The next time 
we're faced with a global viral pandemic. And somebody asked, what can we do? What can we do to fight this virus? One good answer would certainly be everybody should get adequate sleep so that their immune systems are primed to fight. Now, go to sleep. Thank you so much for listening to the Full Scope Podcast and investing in your health. I'm Dr. Bill Randenberg. If you're enjoying the content, please rate, review, and share this content with all of your friends online and all your social media platforms. Please understand that this podcast is not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure your specific medical condition. This podcast does not create any type of doctor-patient relationship between myself, Dr. Brandenburg, and you, the listener. If you do need help with your life, with your health, with anything regarding your longevity or performance, please check out wondermedicine.com. Our longevity and performance program is the best in the world and is ready to help you right now today become the best possible individual you can be. Thanks. Bye-bye. Pew.